theyeshiva.net. So we will continue inside, Bezer Hashem. We are on page 22. The Maimer Lahavin Mashakos of Bahagoda. On top it says Tzav. The line begins, Chuli Hanov Etainu Gnifla. Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Around sixteen or fifteen lines from the bottom, the line starts. Chuli, Hanava, Tainugnifla. It's the second column. Twenty-two. A Yud Aleph, column four. If that's easier for you, Yud Aleph, column four. So the definition of Yomtif is Moshivi Akeres Habayis Em Habonim Smecha Haluluka. Meshivi Akeris Abayas, the Gemara in Psachim Kufiut Ches, Kufiut Ches, Staf Kufiut Ches, says, Kechul Dezu Hadorab Ikri Batim, like the weasel that lives in the Akeris Abayas, in the subterranean layers of the home, underground, hidden away, trying to protect itself from all its various predators, and it hides there, Beikri Batim. That's Akeres, Habayis, Meshivi, it comes back. And as the Talmud of the Ramban and Shushan Soitis explains, that that represents the idea of the Malchus, the divine energy, which is, at least from a revealed point of view, detached from its source, and it comes down all the way, manifested and eclipsed by the various shells and husks of life. And when it comes back, it reunites with its source. The Olul connects with the Ila. From this, the joy, the joy emerges. And the metaphor, the example, I shouldn't say the metaphor, the example, the marshal, the example he gave is the Neshama Neilam Haba, where the Neshama Neilam Haba is described as being in a state of tremendous Tainug, Nen in Miziv Hashchina, as Chazal put it, they enjoy, they, they feel the delight and the pleasure from the ray of the Shekhinah. And explain what that means is that when the soul is here, it often, unto a certain degree, there is a certain separation, a certain separateness, a certain detachment. When the Alul returns to its Elah and there is complete oneness, so then there is Hanav, Etainugnifla, there is extraordinary pleasure and delight. On this it says, that this the Pasuk says, Lahanchil Oihavai Yesh. The expression comes from a Pasuk in Mishle, in Proverbs, in chapter 8. But the Mishnah, the last Mishnah of Shisha Sidri Mishnah in Uktsin, says that, Asad HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Amr Rabbi Shobhan Levi, Asad HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Lahanchil, Lechol Tzadik V'Tzadik, Shai Oilamus, Shloish Meyes Vasara Elamus. Hashem will bequeath to every righteous person three hundred and ten worlds. Shenemar Lahanchil Oihavayesh to bequeath to give over to my beloved to my beloved ones, my friends. Oyavoy, those who I love, those who love me. Yesh, Yesh means something. The Mishnah teaches that Yesh is Shinyud three hundred and ten worlds. But that's the posik that's used by the Chazal to describe the gift of Elam Haba, Lahanchil Oyevayesh. 
So here the Balatanya reveals what's behind the word yesh. Lahan chil yesh. So he says, nemar lahan chil yesh. yesh. That the oir of the ein soif is revealed in a state of yesh. What do we mean yesh? As something. Yesh means something. Liyos hasaga utfisa lahan hashama. Liyos nenis meziva oir hanizbayar leel. So that there could be some hasaga, some comprehension, some grasping by the soul. To be able to enjoy, to be able to experience the radiance of the ziv, of the gradients of the shechin, of the oil, of the energy of the insof. There is an understanding, there is a comprehension, an appreciation where I was, where I am. How she departed from the place of Afel of darkness to a place of Ur God light, great light. And that's what is behind the joy, this joy that he's been describing, the joy that's represented by Yamtif, is always from the fact that the Alul, the child, which has been born, which emerged, which has comes from the Elah, from its ultimate source, its antecedent, its progenitor has been distant, has been separated. In the nimshal, the divine energy goes through the whole form and order of ishtalshalus, one level to another level to another level, where it often becomes distant and eclipsed. And when the alul comes back, when the alul is miskariv, when it comes close to the ilah, and it's masig, it has some awareness and comprehension of its of its ilah, he says, this generates, it results in a tremendous sense of, of joy. Like the metaphor that he speaks of, and we spoke about the child, the prince, who was in captivity, and then is allowed to come see, even see, never mind reunite, doesn't even say reunite, even just see, to be able to see that source, to be able to appreciate it, to be able to comprehend it on some level, he says, that's the simchas ha'olul. Olul is, of course, like the child. The simcha of the olul, the joy of the olul, be'galos nigalos ha'lav o'er ha'ilah. When it experiences the o'er, the light of the ilah, instead of being so far and distant and eclipsed, because there was a gilui, and there was a Gilead, one that it could comprehend, it can comprehend the process, it can comprehend where I was, where I am, as he says, which is of course all from the text of the Haggadah, the end of the Bracha, before we drink the second cup of wine, and that's the Gilead generally connected to Yom Tov, the Maishivi Akeres Habayas. And then the example for that is Olam Haba, where the neshama, which is the alul, is ultimately reunited, and therefore there's nothing obstructing the relationship between the ilah and the alul, and the tainug, the, the pleasure, the joy that that creates, the simcha that that creates, the hana that that creates, as he puts it, it's a tremendous experience of, of joy and ecstasy, because you have become one with your true core, with your true self, with your true source, with your true origin. And that's the source of real simcha. There's this fake simcha and there's real simcha. And real simcha is 
oneness, harmony, then when there's the unity, the alignment between the parts of self, and you're truly one, we're truly one with yourself, not that other people, not that other people uh, agree with you, but that you agree with you. That's not so easy. Other people agree with you could be exact opposite. Sometimes they agree with you because you're distant from yourself. But for you to agree with you, for the Allah to agree with the Ilah, for the Allah to agree with the Ilah, that's what Simcha is. But, Lahanchil Oyavayesh. And the fascinating term here is Yesh. For the Ein Saif to be able to be experienced by the Ilah, it has to be able to relate to its vessels, to its identity. As he puts it, there should be able to be a hasaga, there should be able to be a tfisa. If I comprehend it, I am connected to it. That's what it means, I'm connected to it. I'm aware of it, I comprehend it, it speaks to me, it's connected to me. For that, it must be contained, it must be expressed in a state that we call yesh. What do we mean yesh? As he explained, Hishtalshalus is yesh mi yesh, one yesh from another yesh. It must be expressed and manifested in a state of yesh, meaning a state that is something, something I could comprehend, something I could relate to. If not, there will not be the sense of simcha. The Allah needs to appreciate the ilah. Then the Shama has to understand something from the ain't Saif. If I can't understand anything, if I can't relate to anything, there won't be a sense of simcha, there won't be a sense of I'm united with it. It has to be something that can relate to the eye, that the Allah feels its own source, its own truth, its own core. It feels this is my, this is me. What makes it me, makes it me is, this is how I can define my eye. This is where I find my eye. This is where I encounter myself. So it's always called lahanchil oyeve yesh. The Dein Soif is manifested in a state of yesh, in a way that it could be a hasaga and a tfisa for the neshama. V'zeu, this is the deeper meaning in the Pasuk. Benohar, benohar yavru beregel sham nismechaboy. In Tehillim, in Kapitel Samachas, as he brings in the Mariam Akhaimas, David HaMelech sings and he says, Benohar yavru beregel. Through the river they passed on the regal, on the yomtev, on the holiday. Sham dir nismechaboy, we shall rejoice in him. Alpipshat, he's referring to Kriyas Yamsuf. They passed through the river. Benohar yavru beregel. Sham nismechaboy, and there we rejoice. Az Yashem Moshev Yisrael, which happened on the seventh day of Pesach. But there is also here a description of what Simcha is. Sham, sham nismachabai. What's the sham nismachabai? It sounds like before that you can't rejoice. It says, Pirush, benohar hayoitzimayedin, shahu binam, hu haaliyah bechol regal mishloisha regalam. David Amalekh is not only talking about Pesach, he's talking about beregal. True Pesach is rishon regalam, as the Mishnah says in Rish Hashanah. The beginning of the Regalim, Nisan is the first month, according to many calculations. Rishon Lachem Lachachi Hashanah. So it's the Rishon, it's the first of the Yomim Taiva. But this is the Aliyah, it's in the Nahar, in the river. Where is the Aliyah? Every Regal, where you, where you, where you rise up to, on every Yomta from the three, 
festivities, the three holidays, Pesach, Shavuot, Sukkot, Rishamu, Makir, HaSimcha. And over there, Sham, over there is the source of Simcha. Eim Habanim Smecha. The mother is the one who rejoices. He says, V'nohar hayyotzei me'edem. In Parshas Bereshis, in Parshas Bereshis, we have the story of the original Garden of Eden, the Gan Eden. How does the title describe it? V'nohar yotzei me'edem lahashkas asagan. Hashem planted Adam and Chava in Gan Eden, right? V'yit Hashem alakim as Adam began Eden la'avda la'shamra to work with it, to protect it, to preserve it. V'nohar yotzei me'edem lahashkas asagan. A river emerges from Aden, Eden as we call it in English, whatever that's supposed to mean. A river comes out from Aden to irrigate the garden. From there the river splits into four outlets. And you have the river of, uh, of Gichain and Pishain and Chidekel and Pros. Right? Chidekel we translate as the Tigris, and Pras we translate as the Euphrates, and Pishain we translate as the Nile Delta, Rashi says it's the Nile. Gichain is not clear, there's uh, different commentaries, different interpretations. In Ir David, there is a, there is a stream that still goes, that some people say that that's Yeah, yeah it's, it's, uh, it's not so clear what it is. Some associate it with the Yamsuf. So this is the literal pshat. Like every pasuk, especially Parshas Bereshis, is uh, multi-layered and multifaceted. Aden, we'll soon see, is the description for Chachma. Nohar Yoytzimei Aden is the description for Bina, which is like a river that comes from a well. The well is a drops very weak flow underground, and the river expands it, and the well irrigates the river. The river comes into the Gan. That's what the Gan, the Gan Eden, the original Gan Eden, gets irrigated from. It gets its its productive powers from, its creative powers from the Nahar. And then from there the Nahar splits. This is a metaphor for Bina. Nahar, as we will explain soon. Nahar is the river that comes from Eden, like Bina which comes from Chachma. Every Yom Tif, we encounter the Nahr. We have the ability to encounter the Nahr, to enter into the river of Bina. And from there comes the Simcha. When the Alul understands in a state of Bina, the Ilah, when there's a, an appreciation and understanding, a Hasaga, which is Bina, Aim Habanim, the mother of the children. Children is the metaphor for Midas, for the emotions. The mother of the children is the metaphor for Bina. The father is Chachma, but we'll soon get to the father. This is Ima. That's why the Arizal told us, he said at the beginning of the Maimah, that Yomtif is the Gili of Moichin. The Ima, right? The mind of the mother. What does this mean? It means that on Yomtif there's the ability, there's a deeper, intense empowerment for the experience of Aim Habanim, the mother of the children to be able to comprehend, to understand, to appreciate the source, the Elah. In other words, you can go into the place of the Nahar, but Nahar Yavru Beregel. He says, every Regel is the Aliyah, Lepchines Nahar. You go up to the state of Nahar, Shab Nismechaboy, from there comes Simcha. When the Alul grasps the Elah, when the Alul appreciates the Elah, even on a level of understanding, 
deeper and deeper, of course, in understanding itself, there's deeper and deeper and deeper, that's where the Simcha comes from. This is all a manifestation of what we call the state of consciousness or the mind of the mother, which is Bina, which is Olam Haba, which is Ganeidin Alien, which is Gilu Taina Ganeshamis Lafiyasagos, which is the revelation of the Taino Ganeshamis over there, the Neshamis experience. That's what Gilu means. Gilu means revealed. Revealed here means. It's, it's experienced. The Nishambas experience the pleasure, Lafia Sagasam, based on their comprehension. And experience begins with Bina. Because what's the definition of Bina? Bina, like we spoke many times, Bina takes a seminal spark, a seminal idea, a seminal epiphany, and develops it, and makes it comprehensible. People have ideas all the time, epiphanies they call them, Right? Like a lightning goes off in your brain. They call it a light bulb moment. What do they call it? Uh, the aha. Like when it's pitch dark and there's a lightning and suddenly the entire environment is bright, but for a fleeting moment. And then it's pitch dark again. The lightning leaves. That's the metaphor called Borak HaMavrik. The Balatanya uses that metaphor for Chachma. Borak HaMavrik. A blitz. A blitz and cup. A lightning in the head, lightning moment. It's brilliant. It's very powerful. I need not explain the levels of, of electricity voltage in, in, in a lightning. It's, it's beyond uh, what one can imagine. The electricity of that. That's also part of the metaphor of Chachma. And there's a certain clarity, but it's fleeting. It's not something you can hold on to. Uh, you see somebody having, I have an idea. What? I don't know. Don't, don't bother me now. <laughs> but I have an idea. I'm not lying. Because if you bother me now, we're going to be left with nothing. I need the time. I need to internalize it. In some ways, that's the idea of the of the seed, the sperm of life, the tip of the father. It shoots like the Gemara's Lashon is, like a light and it shoots out like an arrow. But... It has no substance. It has a lot of substance, but it's all in a state of potentiality. It's the woman, it's the mother, it's the aim, the spouse, the wife that can take it and conceive it and reunite it with the organism that Hashem created, the power of femininity to be able to do something with it. Bina is bird mother, yeah. Bina is ema bonim. Ema bonim smecha. To take that seed of life and to develop it into an embryo. And then the embryo slowly develops. Over nine months you have a full-fledged fetus and a child could be born. Aim habonim smecha. But without that stage, without the state of Bina, what happens to Chachma? It's too elusive. It's too intangible. It's too abstract. It's too transcendent. Bina concretizes the idea. Now it's not just... I had, an, I had an epiphany. I have an idea. <laughs> I can make a presentation. Sometimes people communicate on a level of Chachman, nobody knows what they're talking about. Right? We spoke yesterday about leadership, about Malchus. It's also associated with femininity. One of the key elements is communication. Communication requires Bina, because it requires always that the person says Malchus is, the Binyan of Malchus is from Gvura, from Bina at the left side. Chachma is the right column, Bina is the left column. 
The right column is always introvert, entro, extroverted. The left column is introverted. The, the right column is, is ispashtus, expansive, and the left column is tzimtzum, filtering, restriction. Bina has to uh, make something out of the chachma. It has to congeal it. It has to turn it into a structure. Now that's painful. Who wants structures? But without that, you can't talk about it. You can't write it down. You can't do anything with it. The transition from chachma to bina is the transition that he's going to call the transition from ayin to yesh. Chachma is still a state of ayin. It's still very close to ayin, which means nothingness. doesn't mean it's nothing. It means it's too much. <laughs> when we, in Chassidus, when something is too much, it's called ayin. <laughs> you understand, yeah? It's the opposite. It's not ayin because it's nothing. It's too much. It's too infinite. It's too, it's too seminal. It's too abstract. It's too intense. It's not filtered. It's not in a state of yesh. Therefore, I can't get it. Because the kalim, the vessels of my eye, won't grasp it. So the ayin now has to transition into a place of yesh. Concretization, structure, limit, a beginning, a middle, and an end. Chachma is the raw material. Bina turns it into a structure. There's a foundation, there's a first floor. Whenever, whenever you want to communicate successfully in any field, in any field, in Yanni Kedusha, Lahavdal business, whatever, one of the key components, and often people don't understand this, is if you want people to really get it, you must have structure. Structure is a critical component. You sometimes will hear people get up to speak in any form or fashion, whether it's a sheer, Lahavdal, other things, but there's no structure. The beginning, they're in one place, then they reminded themselves what their grandmother taught them. So they're somewhere else. Then they remind themselves something else. And the beginning, the middle, and the end are disjointed and, and there's a certain disappointment. There's, there's something off here. What's, what's missing? What's missing is there's no binion, an architect. You need a, there's an architect of physical structures. There's an architect of spiritual structures. You also need architecture. You don't, uh, you, not, not anybody could put up a building. The Sefi Yitzhira says that Avonim uh, are oisius. Stones are letters. Right? Shtei Avonim, as is the Lushen. Shtei Avonim, each Evan is an ois. You put rocks together and you build a word. You put words together, right? And you build a sentence and then you build a paragraph and you build a chapter. And then you build many chapters. And then you build your book. That's in writing, and the same is true in speaking and communication. It's always a binyan. That's what it says in Sefi Yitzira. Speaking is a form of building. Now you know you need an architect to plan it, and everything has to fit with each other. And if something is extra, it doesn't belong in the building. Take it out of the house. Take it out of the house. Then, of course, you need a contractor. <laughs> the contractor has to know what the architect did and understand it. So sometimes when you, you'll see it in communication a lot, you know, a person gets up, you bring in some rocks, but they're disjointed. So what happens? There's no home. There's no creation. There's no structure. What's the, what's the uniqueness when you read an exceptional writer? He uses the same alphabet that everybody else uses. The same A and B and C and D and E and F and G. He doesn't have new letters. <laughs> he doesn't have a new oasis that other people don't have. It's all about the pauses, and the configuration of the letters. I can use the same letters to speak foul language. I could use the same letters to speak stupidity, and I could use the same letters and I turn it into eloquent, dazzling brilliance.
Exactly the letters that are Shema. Yeah, I mean, sometimes a word is just, it's just, it's just coarse. But use those same letters, very same letters. You're not doing much, but you're doing a lot. Why? But the structure is different. And just in parentheses, it's not the topic of the shir. The Balatanya once explain, explains the idea of, of, of good and evil that way. And it's very, very powerful. All good and evil in the world. Everything comes from Hashem. How can there be evil? The answer is that the letters are misplaced. And when the letters are misplaced, it's a completely different message. Like we learned about Oyinaganega from the Marinayim. Oyinaganega, also from Sefer Yitzira, right? The letters are misplaced. And when the letters are misplaced, the energy is misplaced, which means the main avoider of a person in history is to be an editor-in-chief. That's the avoid of life. Yeah, everybody is a cosmic editor. You're an editor. We're given the same letters. Now your job is to edit. Because of the letters that are, are, are mis- misplaced, the energy is misplaced, or because the energy is misplaced, the letters are <laughs> You want to know the chicken or the egg? <laughs> the oil is the kill. I guess both. So every person is an editor. Now, I grew up in the home of uh, of a journalist, so this is this was this is what we ate for breakfast and for lunch and for dinner. My father would sit with articles. This was typewriter days, right? And edit, just edit. What's the definition of an editor? You look at an article, right? You see if there's no potential here, there's no potential. Got to go to the dustbin. But if there's potential, you see an article. You don't say, "Oh my God, this is the worst thing." How can you put the sentence here? Change it. Change. That's what an editor does. You change it. So in life, we're given certain articles. Don't get affected. Don't get overwhelmed. You got to change the letters. Yeah, this got to go there. This got to go there. It used to be with typewriters. You have to retype it, and you had to use whiteout, and it was a shrek. Today, cut and paste, <laughs> copy and paste. It's a whole different matzav. Why? Because you always need the binyan. You always need the structure, right? Like somebody once um, told me about speaking. He says, "Get up." Tell them what you want to tell them. Tell them. Tell them what you told them and sit down. If it doesn't fit into those three, scratch it out. Out. <laughs> tell them what you want to tell them. Then tell them. Then tell them what you told them and sit down. And you, you can, you can, you can, you can. I'm, 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 this is just parentheses, but it's, 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 it's. I think good advice. Whenever you're making a presentation at work or anywhere else, structure, structure, structure. The beginning, the middle, and the end has to come full circle. If it's not coming full circle, out. If it sticks out, yeah. I mean, I'm sensitive to these things because this is what I'm. A, it's a, lot, a big part of my life. But when I hear people communicate, it's like. A person, a contractor comes into a house and starts getting headaches because this was placed wrong, this doesn't belong here, this doesn't take that out, this pipe is destroying the house. Sometimes I hear people making a presentation, right? And I'm like, wrong pipe, wrong place. You just ruined your house. You ruined your house. It does not belong there. Either it doesn't belong there, or that should have been before, that should have been. I'm just personally a little bit of allergic to this. But this, uh, <laughs> even the own stuff you worked on, you're like, oh my gosh. That's fine. You have to edit yourself. Every good writer edits themselves many, many times. <laughs> 
Anybody who writes, you write, and then you throw it into the garbage, and you do a new one. What happens if you're a good writer but not a good editor? That's a, yeah. If you're, so, listen, some people have a tremendous gift for chachma. Their flow is endless, and they need an editor who's going to be brutal. And you know that editors and writers often have a lot of issues with each other. Because the writer thinks that every word was priceless. The editor says, I have a thousand words. I have place for a thousand words. You wrote an article of 7,000 words. So now he has to cut out 6,000 words and the writers will never forgive him. The editor is always a peanut. Yeah, yeah. I can't say always, but editing is connected very much to Bina. It's also connected to right brain, left brain. Chachma is intuitive. Huh? Yeah. I was smart to hire an and, and And women are usually the editors of their husbands, no? In life. <laughs> you come on with an idea, she's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, basically, I think many wives are editors of their husbands, right? <laughs> Editor in chief. <laughs> yeah, Bina Yuseira. Yeah, that's how the Balatanya will explain. Bina Yuseira, Nitna Isha. There's a gift. The Isha, Aim Habanim, has a gift in Bina. And Bina is always detailed oriented. Doesn't mean no men have this gift, doesn't mean no women are the opposite. But like we spoke last time, we're speaking here in general terms about masculinity, femininity. In every man there's a woman, in every woman there's a man. In every man there's sometimes a strong woman, and in some women there's sometimes a strong man. You know, it's not always black and white, the gender difference. So there's a man, there's a woman, but the, the, a, a healthy, a healthy masculine identity includes a feminine identity, and conversely, which is why they could connect. If not, they would be completely in two planets. No, they are in two planets, but they would be in two universes. <laughs> At least it's one universe, two planets. Without this, it would be two universes, and two universes that we never meet each other. You couldn't have the king concept of Hoyle, like we learned in Tazria about Ishmazria, the Maimir of Tazria, Ishmazria, Ishmazria, Tchiliyala Desnekeva. So this is what Bina always has to do to Chachma. Concretize it. Turn it from Ayin into Yesh. You will never be able to hold on to Chachma. Try it. It won't happen. You'll have the, the flash, the light. It's like holding on to a lightning. When you're stranded, I was once stranded in a, in a desert in the middle of the night. It was at night. It was pouring rain. I never saw such darkness. Because the way we live today, wherever you are, it's not completely dark. You know, there's a lantern, there's a light, there's a nightlight. Something is there. There's a car, there's a truck, there's a hotel, the Epis. But I was somewhere in a in camp, in camp in Michigan with uh, with some with some chevra and some children. And it was on a canoe trip, so we were in the wilderness, and it became pitch dark. And it was not just darkness; it was like v'yomish choshech. You could you could touch the darkness. We couldn't see anything. We Pasha didn't know where to go, and it was nighttime, and it was uh, we felt it was dangerous, and somebody saw a beer over there. In any case, there was a series of eight lightnings, one after another. And I remember seeing it and thinking, ah, that's what Alter Rebbe meant with Chachma. This is it. It was so light, it was amazing. And since there were eight ones after each other, so it gave us the the time to be able actually to identify a house to be able to identify what's in the house, and it, sa- it saved the day or saved the night. But can you hold on to it? It's there, it's powerful, it's intense, the voltage is extraordinary, but it's gone, it's fleeting. It's fleeting. 
And that's a good, powerful metaphor for Chachma. When Chachma happens, it happens, and it's powerful. And at that moment, you see everything. But it won't last for more than a few moments. And then you're back in this place of darkness. But once there was Chachma, you got a seed. And now you can take that seed and work with it. It's going to be tedious. It's going to be uh, sometimes um, um, boring and monotonous because Chachma has that excitement of newness. But that's the only thing that allows it to develop into something real. And, you know, uh, the man comes up with a great idea. You know what this idea is? Let's have a child. Really? How long does that take? And then nine months, nine months, there's somebody who has to deal with your idea. Huh? And, and there's the pain, there's the pain of development and pregnancy and then birth and all that. And one has to, one has to appreciate that. Which is why Jewish identity is based on the mother. Because the one who really sacrificed herself for the birth of this person is, 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 is the woman. The, the man made a contribution, a very important contribution. He wrote a check. And we don't underestimate that check. It's called a seed. And then hopefully he'll write more checks in the future. But uh, there's a contribution. And there's somebody who's, whose entire life becomes defined by it. But here we're talking about this Nikuda of taking Chachma and turning it into Bina. So the marshal for this is the Mayan and the Nahar. What's the difference between the wellspring and the Nahar, the river? The wellspring is underground. And when you encounter a wellspring, you will usually, you will usually see a very, very weak flow. It's like a trickle. Some wells, it's just a trickle of water. It doesn't stop. It's called Mayim Chayim. But it's a small trickle. It's underground. It's buried. But that Mayan feeds Naharis. Wells, springs, feed rivers. Rivers are large, expansive. They're not Mayim Chayim anymore. Halachically, there's two types of mikvahs. There's Mayim Chayim, living water, which means when you dip in a well, a wellspring, which is always connected to its source. And then there is a pool of water, a body of water, even if it's natural water, it's rainwater, which is natural, and it's kosher from mikvah, but there's a few taharas, there's a few forms of cleansing that require only mayim chayim. And that's the difference of chachma and bina. Bina is a nahar, it's beautiful. You know when you come to the river, nobody takes pictures by wells. <laughs> you ever noticed? Because you're going to get very dirty, you have to go into the rocks and go down and climb. <laughs> pictures, you go canoeing and you go on a boat and you stand by the river, it's beautiful. It's very appealing. It's very impressive. It's structured. It's nice. It's big. Shane, rivers are beautiful. And they, many of them come from natural water, either the rainwater or the well springs that feed into the river. But the river often may be detached from the Mayim Chaim. It's not a Mayim Chaim. And that's the difference between Chachma and Bina. In Chachma, it's the source itself. Because it's the source itself coming into you, like the lightning, therefore it's fleeting. Because how could it not be fleeting? In Chachma, somebody says, I have an idea. You said that wrong. You don't have an idea. The idea has you. <laughs> That's Chachma. I don't have an idea. <laughs> the idea got me. The idea captured me. I wasn't there. You'll see in a moment of an epiphany, you lose your self-consciousness. If you would have been self-conscious, you would have not had that insight. The insight came only because of a moment of bittel. 
you'll see whenever you have a new insight that comes into your head, you were not thinking about anything outside of that idea. You were completely subsumed and submerged in that space. And because you were open, therefore it could come into you. But it captures you. You don't have it, it has you. Bina is morphing that into a new place. Not the idea has me, but I have the idea. By definition, for me to have the idea, the idea has to be diluted. Because for me to have the idea, it has to enter into my cup. And my cup is only eight ounces. If it's only eight ounces, what happens? The Mayan has to translate into a Nahar. Fixed shape molded, a structure, a beautiful structure. It's a river, but it's not the wellspring. Benohar Yavru Berega. On Yamtif is the Aliyah to the Nohar, to Bina. That's why we say Halal, what's Halal? Eib Habonim Smeicha. Moishivi Yakeris Abayis. When the Olul comes back to the Ila. How can the Olul come back to the Ila in our world? In Olam Haba, the Neshama leaves the body. I understand the Neshama leaves the body. It goes from the Gashmi to the Ruchni. And the Shama is very happy. What does it mean in our world? It means there's Hasaga. When the Olul has Bina, when there's a Bina, when there's a real Hasaga, when there's a real understanding, every person according to his or her capacity. But there's an understanding of the Elah. There's an awareness of the Elah. Vatehi hasimcha g'daylah. The Olul erupts in joy. Lahanchil oyhavai yesh. Olam is defined as the yesh. There's a hasaga, the ayin translated into yesh, and that's why you could comprehend it. There could be a tfisa, there could be a hasaga. That's the pshat, that yamtif is the gili of moichin the ima, the mother. What's the mother? The mother is bina. The character of bina is fully functioning that what? That the, the divine energy, oirin soif, allows itself. Hashem, kevayachal, reveals himself in the state of bina so that the mother rejoices with the awareness of, of the, of the ila rather than the mother being a keris habayis, like a chulda, like a weasel who's weaselly, what do you say, weaseling around the ikre habatim. Well, was soon see Shabbos. Yet, yet, moment before Shabbos. What's the difference of the weasel down there? And why do we call it from Apsachulda Adore Bikre Batim? The Chulda is the quality. I looked up the Shushan Soydis yesterday. It's not a safer that. It doesn't even say a name on it. There's a safer called Shulchanor Harizal. And over there he mentions it and he says it was written by a Talmud Haramban. So they don't write on it a name. They just write that. Rizal writes that it was written by a Talmud Ramban. That's why when the Balatanya says it, he doesn't say a name. He just says Talmud Ramban. doesn't give a name. Shushan Saidis, but it's a Kabbalah Sefer, very rare. I found it on Eitzar HaChachma. It was printed, Karet Tovkuf Mem Dalet, which is just a few years before this Maimah was set. Tovkuf Mem Dalet would be 1784 in Karet, where there was a printing press. And so it's very old letters. So the Shushan Saidis, he has to take a little piece, and he says that the Chulda goes down, Malchus is Mislabish Ba'ayin Sarim, Malchus is manifested in the Klippus, and then it goes back up. That's what the Gemara means, Chulda Hadara Bikriabatim. Now, what's the, what's the meaning of this? The meaning of this is, as he puts it, weasels like rats and mice, they're always hiding, you know. They always hide. They, they create their, their uh, what are they called? Their, their dens, yeah, their dens in places like all animals and all birds and all rodents, and they're very, very sensitive to the fact that there are predators who want to hop them. 
The Chulda especially is very sophisticated. I mean, I think that's what he means. It's extremely uh, uh, sophisticated in the fact that it has to hide out. And we have in, in Psachim, interestingly, the metaphor for that creature who's looking for the bread and hiding it somewhere is the weasel, which is why the Gemara, the Mishnah thought that Dikas Chametz should have to be done by everybody at the same time. Because if I do my Bdikas Chametz before your Bdikas Chametz, right, it's very possible that the weasel went to your Chametz and then brought it to my house and now I have to do a new Bdikas Chametz. And the only reason the Mishnah says we don't worry about that is because ain't ladava saif. Because basically you could close down the whole Pesach experience because then you could also say from town to town and then from city to city and then it could be from Los Angeles to New York also. So, uh, so every Jew in the whole world internationally, you know, the Chulders get around pretty fast these days. They, they hitchhike, and they have no problems. They hitchhike with everybody and everything. And therefore, But the chuld is always hiding out its food for a time of crisis, and it's, it's, it's basically extremely, uh, it conceals itself, and that's why it builds all these things. It's not going to do it on the open, on the open, because of predators, and most importantly, they don't want you to share their food with them. Right? They don't know that we sometimes have a different taste. We can understand this very much in human life, you know. I think there's an expression in English, a weasel, right? It, it represents something. But sometimes you have a person, whenever the olul is not one with the ila, you're always in hiding. You're in hiding because you don't know who you are. Whenever you don't know who you are, you have to hide. You have to hide from yourself and you have to hide more from others. There's a certain element of a person who's really can't be fully, fully present because they may be ashamed, they may be trying to impress others, so they can't come out in their full glory because the Alul and the Elah are not connected. When the Alul comes back to the Elah, this instead of being a Chulda, the person can emerge as an aim habanim smecha. The greatest, one of the greater gifts of life is when you know who you really are and you embrace it. And you embrace it fully. And you embrace it with ease and with serenity. And you don't have to weasel your way around in life and, you know, today with this one and today with that one and outsmart this one. There's a certain wholesomeness. There's a certain... Once in a while, you'll meet somebody and you'll see on their face a menuchas hanefesh that is deep in, that's inner. It's inner serenity. I'm not talking about outer, outer serenity. Outer serenity, you have to wait for after 120 years. You know, life could be stressful, but I'm talking about inner serenity. Inner serenity comes, I know exactly who I am and I also know who I'm not. And I don't try to copy anybody. I don't try to copy anybody. There's an expression... Uh, from the Rebbe Rashab, the fifth Lubavitch Rebbe, he says in a Sikhi, he says, A pnimi, a real person, a kuk nishtav diva zainen nidirikavir, a kuk doch nishtav diva zainen hechavir. He doesn't look at people who are lower than him, he also doesn't look at people who are higher than him. You have to know who you really are. You could learn from everybody. You could learn and be inspired by everybody. But I can't copy anybody else. I can't. If I have to be authentic, I could learn, I have to challenge myself, stimulate myself, learn from the example of others, apply to apply it to my life. Always, we, we should learn from everybody, and you could learn from everybody. But I can't copy anybody. I can't copy anybody. 
and I can't stay in hiding. Life is too short to live in hiding places. People live in hiding places, and then they peek out, right? So you become like a chulda, you become like a rat hiding your food. Don't stay in hiding places. What does Hashem say? What does Enshi Hashidim? Hareini es marayich, hashmiini es koylech, kikoylech orev, umarich nove. How does he begin? Yoinosi b'chagvei asela b'seisa madrega. The dove, beautiful dove, lives in the clefts of a rock. It's hiding. So he says, Hareini es marayich, show me your face, hashmiini es koylech, koylech orev, umarich nove. This was written before Kalbach's negen. Before the negen. Let me hear your voice. Let me see your face. Your voice is sweet. A person lives in hiding. Why are you hiding? I'm hiding because I'm embarrassed for myself. What are they going to say? What are they going to think? What does the do? What he's supposed to do now, right? Show me your face. Don't stay over there under the ground. Emerge. But the only way I can emerge is if I know who I am. So that's the yeah. So that's the great gift of, of the Allah coming back to the Illah. Yeah. That's the gift of Yom Tif. That's the gift of Yom Tif. Now because of this, you know, Rashi says that the definition of an Ashama Yaseir, it says on Shabbos an Ashama Yaseir, right? An extra Ashama. So what does it mean? So Rashi says you can eat more. <laughs> you can eat more. You could see people on Shabbos, they can eat more. It's like the heavens, it's almost like the body grows, the consciousness grows, the brain grows, the soul grows, so you can eat more. But Achen Vey, if that's where the Neshama Yaseida begins and ends. <laughs> yeah. In other words, on, on Yom Tif, there's a certain energy you can tune into. The Alter Rebbe says, what is that energy? That the Olul could comprehend the Ilam more. That the neshama can experience more the ain soif. But because there's a certain energy, so a person could use it for a lot, a lot of things. But it's yom tip, they have to understand what, 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 it, what, it, what it's meant for, what the calling is, what the unique opportunity is. It could be squandered for superficial things. It could be utilized for, for, for authentic, for authentic causes. Avol in the Abba. How do you bring the Allah back to the Ilan Yamtuf? Oh, that's automatic. Huh. And the opportunities there. Ah, that's a Zakita Shaila. He says, the Mimer seems to imply something so serene and beautiful, but Pesach is so stressful and overwhelming. So the Shlomo wants to know what this means practically. What is he supposed to do on this Yamtuf different? Yeah? If you should make us an extra kugel. Approach, oh, yeah, we already said that we were not. No. That's wasting the energy. That's the first question of the Manishtan. That's the first, the first question. Manishtan Tati is not only it's Tati. How do we make this night different than every other night? So this is every other night. I'm sitting with my cell phone, and tonight I'm without my phone. I mean, there seems to be an energy you can tap into. Brings it to genuine simple, right? Yeah. How do you tap in? What's what's the exercise to tap into this energy? Ah, huh? you have an answer. You want an answer? I'll say one akuda that I think is practical. I don't think it's all of it, but I think it's one point that can maybe be useful. 
I spoke about structuring, so it's a little hard to structure this idea, but uh, however it comes out, it comes out. If we, if we appreciate this idea, Bipidemius, what, what we're really saying is that the Olul shouldn't be separated from the Ila. It should never be. It is because our reality looks at it that way. But the Olul is never separated from the Ilah. Hishtalshalus is not a real distance. Hishtalshalus is a perceived difference. That's what all Hishtalshalus is. Hishtalshalus is that Hashem allows the energy to emerge in a way where man's mind can distort it. Where Malchus could become the fuel of a chulde, hadara be'ikribatim. So Meshivi Akeris Habayis, Eim Habonim Smecha means, when we say Aliyas Hamalchus, he says, Yomtif is Aliyas Hamalchus, or his Lashon here was, made a Lashon with the Nar, what does he say? That, Benar, Hu Haliyah Bechol Regal, the Aliyah of every Regal is the Aliyah to the Nar. That's what Aliyah Liregal means, right? You go up to the Nar. So, it doesn't mean physically, in the time of the Besamikdash, they physically did Aliyah Liregel too. But the concept is, it's it's a movement in the soul. It's a movement in the soul, the Aliyah Samalchus. It's a, it's a concept of perception. It's an issue of awareness. Aliyah Samalchus means redefining who you are and where you are. That's what the Aliyah of Yom Tif is. So what this means is that much, and as he puts it here, it's hasaga, it's about awareness, it's about comprehension. So it's not like, okay, Yom Tif comes, so let me start doing certain things or not do it, doing certain things to experience it. That's not what it means. Maybe it can also mean that, but I think what it means first and foremost is a perpetual awareness on Yom Tif that... Wherever I am, the Olul is connected with the Ilah. Wherever I am in life, and whatever reality I'm facing in life, the Olul is appreciating the Ilah. The Olul is connected, it's united with the Ilah. Which means the person with the Ein Saif, yeah. So, you sit down at a Seder table, or at a Yom Tif meal, Right? Or you go to shul on Yom Tif, or you come home on Yom Tif. Whatever you do on Yom Tif, you have guests on Yom Tif, you sit with your children, with your wife, with family, with friends, relatives, archim, whatever it is, whatever the format is, before the meal, after the meal, before the seder, after the seder. But it's a common denominator in all of Yom Tif. What does it mean, mayadim l'simcha? Mayadim l'simcha means that wherever I am, wherever I am in life, is in the best place. It's in the best place. Because I'm one, I'm one with the source. And, and the person I'm facing, I'm facing from that place. From that place. What happens? The greatest impediment for Simcha is disappointments and expectations that are unrealized. Yeah. Practically. People come to their Seder. They prepared already. They've been reading 40, 50 Haggadahs over the last month. They have like 300 Titus in their head that they're going to be sharing with the family who's going to be enthusiastically inspired by their brilliance. 
right? Yankee, Kaddish, Zah Kaddish. I don't want to. Chvilnisht. Okay, Sarala, Urcha, I don't want to. And now there's already a fight going on, yeah? He took his becha, the spilling of the wine. Yeah. And you're like trying to say, Avach, some cipher. Yeah, and avoid from the briska, Hagada. Avoid from the, excuse me, avoid from the Munkach Hagada. Avoid from that Hagada, Yana Hagada. Vu, Vaz, Ven. Right? And people, but it's. People are frustrated, they're angry. This whole Seder is not turning out as well. This whole Pesach is ruled. But it's Man Cheresenus, you have to be Besimcha. Besimcha! He's screaming, Simcha, he's angry. The poor guy is disintegrated. Then, then he's not sure about his Achilles prasal. Now Imamish has a heart attack. Vachuli, vachuli. You get the picture, right? So here's how to do it. <laughs> the way to do it is. To remember that the Nekuda of Pesach is Vehigada To speak to your child, wherever your child is, just to connect. The moment I have expectations, I'm not connecting to my child, I'm connecting to my ego. Even if it's a spiritual ego. Connecting to my child means connecting to my child, not connecting to who I think my child is or who I would like him to be. By connecting to your child, you can help him become who he should really become. <laughs> but not by not connecting. Yeah. What's different on Pesach night than the rest of the year? Oh. So on Pesach, you could trust him that there's a special energy in the world that allows a person to be in this place. The point of Yom Tif is to continue a whole life. The point is not to be besimcha and Yom Tif. After Yom Tif, we become miserable. <laughs> If you are really besimcha and yamtiv, you're going to be besimcha whole year. But the concept of yamtiv is a special oid, a special opportunity, a special koyach in the world. Wherever you are, you're sitting at the table, whatever is happening is exactly where God is. You don't have to recreate a world. That's where it is. It's great. That's where it is. It's only perception. If you comprehend the ilah, or you're living in the, like a weasel, trying to weasel your way out. If you realize this is the place of grandeur, this is the place of unity, from right here, right now, I'm going to connect because everything is the way it's exactly supposed to be. And you can accept it, and you can embrace it, and you can celebrate it. And sometimes that means talking about something very real. Sometimes it means identifying something very broken. But that's also where the ilah is. The ill is not only in, 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 in endless grandeur. Sometimes it's in a very honest conversation. Maybe sometimes, you know, telling myself, you know, I'm really not feeling any, it's Pesach and I'm not feeling anything. Yeah. That's probably the best conversation for quite a few people to have. It's their greatest mancher seno. If they could give themselves permission to find God where they are and not where somebody told them they're supposed to be. I want to know how many people sit down by the Seder and experience absolutely nothing besides a migraine and a lot of stress and just want to get this over with and are wondering who came up with this religion. That's how you know it's from God. Huh? <laughs> who came up with this religion? Tell me. And what's the point? And couldn't we celebrate our liberation in a different way a little bit? Six flags. Isn't that okay. liberating? The way, whatever way That's Nirza. That's Nirza. Know that it was good. Yeah.
Nirtzah. That's Nirtzah. Now, this is not about not challenging yourself. It's about challenge. It's about growth from where you are, not growth in some world that doesn't exist. That's what it means. The Olu could come back to the Ilad. The Olu come back to the Ilad doesn't have to go anywhere. Wherever you are, that's exactly the nanimism. That's where the Zivashchina is. It's all about awareness. Can I comprehend it? The reason I can't comprehend it is because I create expectations of what a relationship looks like. Maybe a relationship looks like exactly what it looks like. Including the fact that I could say, you know, a part of me is very, very stressed. A part of me is very, very overwhelmed. A part of me feels broken. A part of me feels angry. A part of me feels desperate. A part of me feels uh, anxious. I don't think you should tell this to your children. Huh? A part of me feels afraid. Thank you. And then, and for me, this, and this is where I'm going to connect. And you know what will happen? You'll have a real yomtif. You'll see. And a whole yomtif is this way. You come to Shul, you come to Davin, talk to Hashem and say, I learned in Lakut Torah that it's a, you could tell him, he also learned Lakut Torah. I learned this, that the Kalakhkhoira I learned that on yomtif there's the, the Olul could be Masik the Ila, Benar Yavra Beregl, Shamnis Mechabaya. That's where I want to be. And that's where I'm going to be. And every conversation that you have on Yamtiv should be from that place. You don't leave that place. I am now in my most wholesome place, the most wholesome reality that there is. What a, what a wholesome reality looks like. We have expectations. That's why we say, I know I'm in a miserable reality. This house is crazy. Everybody has a beautiful Seder besides me. Why can't my family get it together? <laughs> We're the only family who can't get it together. Really, go to some others. <laughs> a couple ones came to me. They were having some Shalom bias issues. So, uh, so the husband says, you know, last night we were at a bar mitzvah and there was this couple there at the Shmugas board, whatever. And they were so happy, you know. We were looking at them. Why can't we be that way? He just didn't know that they came earlier. earlier. <laughs> you understand? You compare yourself to others in Durham and other people and last year was better. And, and, uh, what are you saying? You Basically, you're saying is that God is not here. That's basically what you're saying. That you're, you're, you're somewhere buried in the Nalach. You're, you're a cholder. I'm a cholder buried in Nalach, hiding my comments. Of course, he's right here. This is where he is. And if there's a disappointment and there's something frustrating and there's something that's frightening me, that's part of where he is. The, the, the ill is there too. The ill is, doesn't run away from there. And I could share it. I could share it with myself. I could share it with him. I could give myself permission to be wherever I am because God is there. We don't give ourselves that permission. We're trying to create substitute realities in the name of Kedusha. But Kedusha means that there's no substitute reality. Kedusha means that Einoid Malvada is right here with this child with the wine spilled all over the table. Huh? With that, wait, 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 which, huh? The right to Matzas, yeah. Just stay, staying there and connecting. But don't use this as an escape. This is not about an escape. Oh, it's chaos. Just who cares about Pesach? It's the exact opposite. This is not about escaping or apathy or indifference. This is about full presence. Being really present. I don't have to run away. And you know what? Yeah. Chazal don't stop saying that the, 
that the kinders are nicht einschlafen, the children shouldn't fall asleep. Why? Because people fall asleep. <laughs> if they wouldn't fall asleep, they wouldn't talk about it. They fall asleep. And sometimes it means buying frogs before Pesach and throwing frogs all over the place. Whatever. Throwing? Yeah, I know people who buy all the ten makas. I'm a life, I'm a springt. Well, you have real snakes, so you don't have to, uh, you don't have to buy. Huh? You do the real snakes too? No. Oh, the frogs. Real frogs? Huh? Feed them to the snake. I mean, I told you once the whole story with the Badichever and the alcoholic and the, the Seder. I told you once, yeah? What did the Badichever like about a Seder? He liked about a Seder that he wasn't copying anybody. <laughs> he wasn't copying anybody. <laughs> he couldn't copy such a Seder. It was too dysfunctional. <laughs> He said, God, I don't know anything about this Yom Garnished. I know you redeemed us then. Do us a favor and redeem us again. And he drank all the four cups, one after the other, which the Gemara says, And some Rishonim say, even Dalit Koises, but not Dalit Koises in the order. Okay, but however you explain it halachically. So, that's that's the point, you know. Of course, sometimes you have a say that you could share a lot of Torah and beautiful different Torah and beautiful verta and insights. Kol from sure delay, right? But but the point is Wherever your child is, speak to him. And I should say, you know, whenever I go speak somewhere, I always ask the organizers to tell me about the audience. I have to know the audience first of all, what language, who they are, what their background is. If it's audiences who don't know the word Moshe Rabbeinu, I have to know, I'm going to get up and start quoting Psukim. They don't know what the word Moshe is. I have to say Moses. So you always have to know your audience, right? The Pasuk says, and it's the, it's the only mitzvah esim in on the night of Pesach besides matzah. And even with matzah, there's a debate. When it comes to the only thing that, according to everybody, is mamish min the night of Pesach is one mitzvah, v'ikadat ha Tell the story to your child. Oh, so the question is, I want to tell the story to my child, but do you know who your audience is? If you don't know who your audience is, how can you tell them a story? How do you tell the story? What language do you speak? Do you know your audience? For this, you have to know who your child is. If you don't know who your child is, you don't know your audience. can speak to your audience. So you have to know who your child is, where your child is. Then you could speak to your child. You could relate to your child. You could pass on the story. That's what it says in Haggadah. You got to know your audience. If I speak to the Chachim, like I speak to the Tam, and I speak to the like I speak to the Rasha, and I speak to the Tam, like I speak to the Chachim, I don't know my audience. They look at me and they're like, okay, Tati, have a good day. You have all four present. If you have all four present, well, you have all four present. So let me tell you, when you have all four present, you have to find all four in yourself. When you find all four in yourself, then you could speak to all four present. People don't mind, children don't mind when you give somebody else attention, as long as they felt that their space also received attention it needs. 
If you could give me your soul even for a moment, I don't mind if you give your soul to another person, to another child. On the contrary, I appreciate it. I'm not selfish. I appreciate it. I have a brother, I have a sister. There's another child too. The problem is not that there's four children. The problem is that some of them could be ignored. And it's not about expectations. That's the whole point. It's not The ila being united with the olul in simple English means it's not expectations. Expectations means you're not united. You're looking for something else. I wish, the words I wish, we could have had a different house, a different family, a different marriage, a different seder. Yeah? That's the opposite of all simcha. That drains all simcha. It basically means your life is a failure. How happy can you be about that? So you have to substitute it with all types of weird stuff to make yourself happy. But what if you appreciate this is where it is. This is where all reality is. This is where all truth is. This is where all infinity is. You are completely one with the source. You don't have to run anywhere. You could be fully present in this matzav, in this situation. And even if this thing's bothering you, that's also part of it. You can acknowledge that too. You don't have to run away from that either. There's things bothering me, okay? There's something that's hurting. There's something that's painful. There's something I have to deal with. There's something I have to confront. That's also part of the relationship. It doesn't, and it doesn't have to define me completely. I can experience it. It's also part of the relationship. And then I can choose my values. I can choose where I want to be, what I want to say, how I want to connect at every single moment. And they can say, you know, it's hard for me now. Now I'm feeling angry. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling overwhelmed. Okay. That's part of the Allah also. That's part of being the Allah. That's part of the child. I'm also a child. So the good energy that comes in on Pesach, as we said, the greatest way to receive it is when you're present, whatever is happening is happening, and you also allow that to happen. Otherwise, it's all a distraction. Yeah, when you're fully present, you allow the Ain Soif to be in your house. When you're running away from reality, you're also running away from God. That's what people don't realize. You're running away from your gift. But the special present, the special energy that comes out of Pesach, the only way to let it in is by being fully present. Fully present. And fully present doesn't mean there's nothing aggravating. Of course there's going to be things aggravating. You know, if the whole wine just spilled on my matzah, you know, I worked on my kaida for like 40 minutes, right? And then somebody, I'm going to be aggravated. And if I open up my box of matzahs and I can't find a whole matzah, <laughs> right? Kaminiganagidamama for summum, yeah. Exactly. That's it, life. That's that's uh, when the Jews left Mitzrayim there was no chaos. <laughs> when four million Jews left Mitzrayim there was no chaos. What do you think? Huh? Somebody <laughs> think you broke. <laughs> there was no chaos. Party Kishri and Kailas Abrakim. Get out of there! No, so your house is worse. <laughs> the original Pesach is no tzikas. Yeah? So you have to define if you're paray or you're not paray. Are you going to be the screamer? Are you going to be the listener? <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> now, uh I'm not trying to say... I, I, you should try to make it as orderly and as beautiful and as organized as possible. But life, especially with children, is always full of surprises. comes with a time. If you have a baby and the baby decides to start screaming for an hour and a half, so what now? There's no Pesach anymore. 
There's no Pesach anymore. It's Pesach. I was sitting with, uh, some time ago, it was like a, a few, before, uh, I think two years ago before Pesach, maybe three years ago, some time ago before Pesach, there was a group of single moms who asked if they could meet me. Um, women who are either widows or divorced, with children usually, and they wanted to meet. It was mostly divorced, and some of them very difficult and challenging marriages and challenging divorces. So we met before Pesach. It was like a few weeks before Pesach. It was in Brooklyn. A lot of women came. And I spoke. They asked me to speak for a few minutes. And then I took questions and answers. You know, I asked them to share. They want to ask questions and so forth. So a woman shared the following. She said that uh, she has, I think, four children. And her husband, her ex-husband, made up with her that they're going to be, they, they, for Yom Tovim, they switch off one holiday by the mother, one by the father. And for one particular Pesach, the Pesach before, they made up, it was her turn to take out the children. So she was very excited. She's going to have them for the whole Yom Tif. And she cleaned the house. And, you know, cleaning a house is cleaning a house. She's not a rich woman. She didn't hire help. She cleaned herself. She cleaned for three or four weeks. And then she prepared for the Seder. And she prepared everything for the Seder single-handedly. And he was supposed to drop off the children two hours before Lichtenden. And uh, she had everything ready, and the tables were set, and uh, the lettuce, with the mother, with the charoises, with the wine, with the matzah, with the chicken, with the fish, lebedek. It's two hours before Lichtenden, they're not arriving. Around a half an hour before Lichtenden, he texts her and he says, I'm sorry, the children are not going to be able to come for for Yom Tov. And it was a few minutes before Lichtenden. So she tells me that uh, she was just like in shock, <laughs> just in shock. And it's Yom Tov is about to come in. She told me she was so crushed, she didn't even have the kayak to ask a neighbor or a friend in the neighborhood to go over for the Seder. She was just so disoriented. And she told me that she had the worst Seder in her life. And she doesn't even know if it was a Seder. She sat herself crying half the time. She did the Haggadah. She said the Manashtana. She made Kiddush. She drank four cups. She ate Matzah. Mar. She followed Haggadah till the end. She said the whole thing took her, I don't know, 45 minutes. Some people would be jealous probably. And uh, so she asked me, how was she supposed to deal with this element with such an experience emotionally? Because Pesach is coming. She's traumatized. Just traumatized. It was a, it was a very intense question. What am I supposed to say? I'll tell you what I told her. Ina Hashem liyadi. Listen, there's one element with your ex, which is a bigger issue than Pesach. I mean, obviously, this type of behavior is uh, it's immoral. It's 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 obnoxious. It's rude. It's beyond rude. It's it's abusive. It's really abusive. You know, you have to be aware of that. There was something wrong that was done. Even if there was a real issue, it's like, it's not how you do it. The half an hour before Lichtstam, it's, it's beyond disgusting. You know, so obviously I acknowledged that and validated that. And, you know, you have to figure out how to deal with this. That's that's one aspect. But she said she she knows that. She said that she knows. She wanted to hear about the Pesach, God, the Seder, and all that. 
So it, it just came into my mind, literally, as she was asked, as she finished asking, it came into my mind, Ina Hashem liyadi, literally. I never thought about it. I thought about it, but I was, it was somewhere in my memory that came to mind. And I said, I'll tell you something that I once saw. And I asked myself the question years ago, and then it just stayed there. And now I remember it. I grew up in the Crown Heights section of Brooklyn. The Lubavitcher Rebbe didn't have children. He used to do the Seder by his father-in-law, the Rebbe Rayat, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, till he passed away. When he passed away in 1950, he did it with, by his mother-in-law, his wife, Rebbe Tzinechamadina. They lived on the second floor of 770 Eastern Parkway. That's where the Rebbe Rayats lived. And his wife lived there. And he would do the Seder there with his uh, mother-in-law and some the people who used to come then. You know, some Chassidim came and Bachram came. It was pretty packed. Small room, but packed. His mother-in-law passed away in 1971. So from then, he went to do the Seder with his wife. And they would do it alone, just he and his Rebbetson, in their home on President Street in Brooklyn. The Rebbe's wife passed away in 1988. The question is, who would he do the Seder with? Pesach night, he always did it with her. And there was no, they didn't have children, no relatives. So the night of, that night of Pesach, the night of Pesach, my father, Olav Shalom, would get matzah from the Rebbe for the Seder. So I would go in with him sometimes. There was a boy, Ari Halberstam. Ari Halberstam was shot and killed on the Brooklyn Bridge, you remember? In 1994. Huh? Other time, yeah, before Pesach. Ari Halberstam was a kid then, 1988. His father, was a Mashamish. He used to help the Rebetzin in the house on President Street. You know, help with different tasks. His name was Chesed Halberstam. Chaim Sinai David. Sons of Rav from the Halberstams in Yerushalayim. So I saw Ari, a little cute kid, 88, going over to the Rebbe when he was giving his father matzah and him matzah. And says, my mother asked if you could come over to us for the Seder. They lived on Eastern Parkway. My mother asked if you come over to the Seder. So the Rebbe, Ari Halberstam asked the Rebbe, I saw myself. So the Rebbe smiled and he was very gracious and he said, please thank your mother for the invitation, but I'll be here. Okay. So the Olam left. The Rebbe had a secretary, Rabbi Groner, Rabbi Label Groner. So he thought the appropriate thing would be that he would stay there for the Seder, you know, and then he would go home and his wife would understand (laughs) he's with the Rebbe. So Rabbi Groner stayed in the room to prepare for the Seder. The Rebbe was in his room. He wasn't, didn't even now go, he didn't even have a house. The room, his room, his little room became his house. Because once his wife passed away, his room became his house. In 770, his little room. So the Rebbe asked him, what are you doing here? He says, he thought, he said, you have a family, go home. And he sent him out. He sent him out. So from that Pesach till the end of his life, the Rebbe did the Seder himself. Completely himself. Huh? Yeah, 88, 89, 90, 91, 92, 93, the Rebbe, 92, the Rebbe had a stroke. But uh, all those years, he did it himself. He would come out uh, outside of 770 to greet, uh, you know, Felio Anavi, uh, whoever hung around, hung around. But that was it. He did the same to himself. And I thought to myself, I'm telling this woman, I thought to, then I thought to myself, I was only, I don't know, I was 15, 16, I was a young bocher. I thought to myself, the Rebbe asked, he even asked the chief rabbis of Israel, <laughs> Rabbi Eliyahu and Rabbi Shapiro, that they should do public zdarim in Eretz Yisrael for people who don't have a family. And he'll pay for it. And they did it. 
The Rebbe initiated public zdarim probably in the hundreds, maybe in the thousands, from Nepal to, to the Congo, to Tokyo, wherever there's Jews who don't have family, they should have a place. Ada Yoim in every Chabad house around the world, you're dealing with three, 4,000 places. There's a public say that for 50 people, 100 people, 20 people, or in Nepal, 3,000 people. He wanted everybody to have a place. And he initiated around the whole world. And he himself didn't have even one person at a say. Not one person. Not one, not a child, not an adult, not a friend, not a family, not a chassan. Not one person but the Seder. And you know the Gemara says there should be somebody to ask questions. If there's nobody there, you ask yourself. So I thought about it then, like it was, it seemed very sad to me. Every, everyone in the world has a Seder. Homeless Jews find a place to go. And yeah, who doesn't have a place for a Seder? Even secular people, they go to somebody. And here the Lubavitcher Rebbe, yeah, not one person had to say it. Literally, there was a guy Gansberg, Shalomberg Gansberg, who would who would uh, who also wanted to stay. The Rebbe said, "Just leave everything and you go, and I'll take care of everything—the food and everything." He sent everybody away. And I told this woman, "I for years I wondered about this. I thought about it then, and it stayed. I had no answer. And then I said, "Now you tell me a story. I think I know. Maybe I know." And that is, a real Manig Yisrael, a real leader of the Jewish people, has to think about every single Jew. Not about certain types, every single Jew. The Rebbe knew, perhaps, that sometimes there's a person who makes a say to themselves. So there's nobody there. There's literally nobody there. And it's difficult, and it's challenging. They want to have children, they want to have a family, and there's nobody there. You're there completely yourself. And they might feel that that Seder was worthless, valueless, nothing. Nirtzah, what was there? You sat yourself, fahakt, disappointed, frustrated, angry, furious. Your whole life was taken away from you. That's what you feel like. This is a Seder, this is Mancher Huseinu. And perhaps a real Manig Yisrael needs to be able to experience that. And be able to be there for you in that way. And to be able to give a message, you know. I also had a Seder myself. And trust me, I told that the Lubavitcher Rebbe Seder was a Seder. <laughs> trust me, God was at the Seder. Trust me, it was a Seder. Trust me, it was Pesach. <laughs> Every Seder is a Seder, but trust me, his Seder was a Seder. Himself, but his Seder was a Seder. And that empowers you. Your Seder was a real Seder. I don't know, the greatest Seder, not the greatest, maybe it was the greatest Seder, but it was a real Seder. And, and you should just know that. Don't question that. Don't question that even for a moment. What that man did, Asad Litinis Adin to you. But your Seder was a real Seder. That's it. That's what happened. So I think it's all part of the same point, you know? Okay. Yo. Very. It was very comforting for her. Huh? No, it was in the, in the Jewish Museum. It was in the Jewish Museum. In the in the Brooklyn Museum. Maybe it's the same half hour. Last half hour for the women today. Satan's running around. Ah, it's a good idea. It's a good idea. It's like you said, like the whole, the biggest, our, our biggest sins thinking that we're disconnected. Yeah. 
The greater, the greatest sin is that you feel you're disconnected and you can't be happy now and the God is not here and you're in a, you're in a horrible situation and the marriages and the dumps and the families and the dumps and there's no Pesach and there's no Seder and the kids are not from and they don't care about Yiddishkeit and they don't care about God and, and nobody cares in this. And with that attitude, there's no Simcha. With that attitude, I'm never experiencing Yom Tif. I'm experiencing an imaginary Yom Tif that could have been, would have been. And yes, of course we have disappointments. And of course we may have made mistakes. I may have made mistakes how I raised my family. And I made made mistakes in my marriage. And I have made made mistakes in my life. Yeah, of course. doesn't mean I didn't make mistakes. I'm not saying that everything I did was perfect. I'm saying, but God is always here right now. Right now there's a Gilu Ein Saif. And the Alul could come back to the Ila. The Ben could come out of Shivya. The first month when you were in Florida and you thought that God wasn't there. That's why we... The Moshem Tov. Washam to his heart. How do you know that heart? Can't enough your classes. I think the first Shema, the Washam first Shema, the Gemara and Brachas, the first Shema. So yeah, if I made a mistake, I have to fix my mistake, and if I have to apologize, I apologize. But that's the point. In my mistake, I could find a way to fix, and I could find a way to apologize, and I could find a way to do what I have to do right now. And right now, there's simcha. Right now, there's simcha in the world. A child has left captivity. And the father and mother want to see him. And that means me here right now, this year, not just somewhere in Galicia or in Poland or in Lithuania or in Hungary 300 years ago. That's why when people tell stories, you know, sometimes people will tell stories. The Baal Shem Tov Seyed and the Rebbe Rebbe Melech Seyed and the Gdushas Levi Seyed and the Seyed and then the Eltazayde Seyed and this one Seyed, right? And, and they're beautiful, beautiful stories. But the stories have to have one point, one conclusion, and that is, and that's your Seder too. <laughs> you're not that person, and you're not doing the same miracles like them, and you're not in their Madrega, you don't have their Kedusha, and you have a bigger Yetzirah than them. That's all true. <laughs> but this, this is, God is alive. God is alive. And if God is alive, and it's real, it's real now. It's not real in, in Galicia and in Russia 150, 250 years ago, or in Mitzrayim 3,000 years ago, and it's Israel to 2,500 years ago. But ha- yeah, and having this also helps with you being able to apologize, being able to recognize your mistakes. Of course. To... You grow from this. This is where you grow from. It's all your thing, just on, 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 on Pesach. We have that energy to... There's a special gilui of, as he says, that the, the, the olul could be miscarif to the ila. Vatihi ha simcha gdoila. Behi golois nigla oir ha ila lav momaila. The herst? Huh? Thank you for the share today. This is like yeah, three great. weeks. I basically come coming before I even have time to process it. Can I have a little. I just want to. I just want to. Maybe some shout. Everybody has an Yeah, very good. Oh, so you? Yeah. But you always have to know your audience. You don't know your audience. How could you speak to them? Yeah. You have to speak to your child, wherever your child is. You want to know where your child is, you want to know where your child should be, and then you could connect. But if you don't know where your child is, woo 
people, I find people are so stressed from their seder because a, a guy tells me that he wanted, he had so much toyota and nobody was interested. And he, and he felt so bad. He's a good man. He said, I had so much beautiful toyota and nobody was interested. So you understand, he created a, a, a parallel seder in his own mind that didn't materialize. Huh? And it ruined him. It ruined his Pesach. He was so upset. I mean, he got over it. I just spoke about it today. I go to brother. No, no. So, so what, hap- what happens is, yeah. Of course, you want to say turn and share beautiful vertlich and inspiring ideas and nigla and chsidus and Allah and musa machshava, whatever the derech mesayr is. But the most important thing is to to be there with the, with the people, with menucha, with simcha, and simcha means embracing, embracing, accepting the reality in a very deep place. You could be a seder which is totally, in a way, matan is boring. You've been to that same seder for a hundred years. Not by mine, by my brother-in-law's, which is very much. <laughs> and there you could... Well, the Darizal says you should say the Haggadah with Simcha and with Mekhal Ram. Try to talk about a Mitzrayim that you want to go out of, and then it'll be meaningful, it won't be monotonous. I was once at a Seder, and I asked the Olam at the Seder if everybody could share one or two Mitzrayims that they have in their life, things that really limit them and confine them. Which part of the and they want to, huh? Yes, during the meal or before? No, during the Haggadah. Yeah. Yeah, if everybody could just 60 seconds describe, if they feel comfortable, of course. Not if, you know, if it's some dark secret, they don't want to share it. Because there was a lot of people, there were like, I don't know, 20 people. Share like one or two uh, uh, confined things that confine them, that really limit them. It's their Mitzrayim. And they feel enslaved by. And they really would love to get the help from Hashem and from themselves to get out of it. That's good. That's, that's my answer. <laughs> and, uh, and trust me, it was not a monotonous seder. Yeah, right. It elevated it to a place of very deep honesty. Now... When you have uh, four-year-olds that you say that, I don't know if this is the, this is the way to go. That's not, you know. Or they might be brutally honest with you. Or they may be brutally honest. Yeah. yeah. But but I wonder, I wonder if a father or mother get up and tell their children, you know, this is a mitzrayim that I'm struggling with, and you know, obviously it has to be things that are appropriate. Children children don't have to know always about every struggle that every parent. Parent has. <laughs> Very good. I'm trying to get rid of you, right? But but these types of conversations, again, age appropriate. I'm not I'm not giving you a rule what your seder should look like. That's the point. Vigada to Levincha. The point is this it's not it's not there's, there's no strict system what you say, what you don't say. But it's about connecting. But these types of conversations automatically make a seder not monotonous. You know what I mean? We have to really, I think, compose a, 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 a I don't know how God, but just a manual for uh, really just like what to, what to do, what not to do in a very in a very real way, like not uh, Titus and more Titus and more Titus. Editor. <laughs>
I usually, uh, not usually, sometimes I shared one story with them that made such an impression that every time they remember it. And the story was that when I was in Russia, we decided to have a Seder for all of my friends who didn't know anything about the word Haggadah, they didn't know, the word Hesed, they didn't know, the word Passover, they didn't know. And the way we did Haggadah, the only source we had, one of us had an encyclopedia, Jewish encyclopedia, of uh, Bergauzen from uh, uh, yeah it was a Jewish encyclopedia yeah. and in that Jewish encyclopedia there was a text of Haggadah and we were I remember were sitting on the, on the floor everybody was sitting on the floor because there was no seats and reading from encyclopedia the text of Haggadah and that made such wow. an impression of everyone because everybody didn't know nobody knew what's, what's, what's going on once we read the text and everybody had triggered thoughts and stuff like that. It was the most mesmerizing pace I've hmm. ever had. How old were you? I was probably 19. So there was no Haggadah. Whose idea was this? So it was uh, my friend's idea. Uh, so To take out the encyclopedia. Well, to take out the encyclopedia, because I was looking for text of Haggadah. I had a cedar, but reading it in Hebrew was for, for the oil was useless. So he found encyclopedia. It was not Jewish encyclopedia. It was an encyclopedia of Bergeuzefron. It was an old Russian encyclopedia. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.